This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 High FM, this is Soul to Soul on your radio on Friday afternoon. A warm welcome to our entire radio family. Thank you so much for taking time on what's becoming one of the shortest Fridays of the year to turn on your radio, turn on your device, wherever you might be in South Africa or the world and spend a few minutes with us, learning some Torah, preparing ourselves for Shabbos Kodesh HaBoleinu L'Tayva Pashas Ba'aloyscha as, as, as it's coming. Let's not waste any time and get stuck right into the, into the Torah. We know about Rav Shol Yedidya Elazar, who was the, the, uh, Rebbe. So he was known as a tremendous Godel in Torah and, and Hasidus. And he was the Rav of various, uh, Kielis in central Poland, but uh, his main uh, 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 notoriety amongst Klaisel was, became known because he was an amazing, amazing composer and, and, and singer. Many, many uh, 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 thousands of Hasidim would come to his base medrash to listen to the beautiful, amazing uh, uh, melodies that he used to, that he used to compose. They they say that uh, one time he needed to undergo a serious operation, and he asked the the doctors, please not to not to use uh, anesthetic and 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 put him to sleep. And he went, I guess we would call it into a trance or something. He seemed to be completely not in this world. And during the course of the operation, he composed one of the most haunting and beautiful nigunim uh, uh, ever ever uh, ever ever sung. In the year 1925, the, the Rebbe went for the first time to Eretz Yisrael and he had a reception with the uh, British uh, uh, ambassador, uh, Samuel, sorry, uh, uh, Herbert Samuel, who was, who, was, who was a Yid, and who asked uh, the Rebbe, could the Rebbe somehow make peace between all the various factions, all the discordant factions that exist in the founding of of some kind of a government, some kind of a, a, a of, of some kind of a situation in uh, in 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 Eretz in Eretz's show. And the Madrasarebe answered the ambassador. You know, it says a Chazal tell us that when uh, when Moshe Rabbeinu was commanded by Hakadosh Baruch Hu to make the the Menorah, so Chazal tells you a tremendous tremendous difficulty how to make the Menorah, and even though Hakadosh Baruch Hu showed him, pointed to him with the finger and showed him here, this is the way the Menorah looks, as it says, "V'zeh my Menorah," and whenever we have the word "V'zeh," he's actually pointing at at something. Nevertheless, still Moshe Rabbeinu wasn't able to make it until Hashem said to him, look, just take the, the, the weight of gold, throw it into the fire, and menorah happened, and the menorah happened by, by itself. And it seems very, very difficult to understand the words of Chazal. We're dealing with <laughs> the best Teacher, the greatest teacher in the world, and probably the most adept student in the world, Moshe who learned the entire Torah from Hakadosh Baruch and yet with the best Rebbe and the best Talmud, still Moshe couldn't understand how to make him know. How do you understand that? Said the Rebbe, he says, this is not something we can understand simply. Because the menorah, we're told, that the menorah was miksha achazotar. It's, it's, it represented the total and complete unity of all the different factions of the Jewish nation. Ad yerecha, up to its base, means a very, very simple, basic rank and file, uh, 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 sort of, so to speak, uh, uh, regular, uh, 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 yidin, who are sort of at the, at the bottom of the, of the totem pole, and at Pircha, until the great and, and, and distinguished leaders of the Jewish nation. All of that 
has to be together in one, in one unified peace. Moshe Benu says, how do you do that? So Hashem showed him how to do it. He says, ah, it's, it's impossible. It's impossible to, to do. How do we unite all the different parts of people? Everyone has their own ideas and their own, and their own ideologies and their own wants. Says, can only happen if one day HaKadosh Baruch Hu does it. HaKadosh Baruch Hu will take away all the different desires for each faction to have their own place in the sun and, and, and kind of be in charge. Then, Be'ez Hashem, when Mashiach comes, HaKadosh Baruch Hu will make the peace. But in the meantime, it's an almost insurmountable task. This is 101.9 Chai FM. We'll be back in a moment. There's so, so much more to talk about. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 High FM, soul to soul, back on your radio here, Erev Shabbos Kedish, Pashas Beha'aloischa. I hope you had a wonderful, wonderful week. And we have a Pasha this week that is so full of quality, so full of amazing things that we need to talk about. It's very hard to decide what we're going to pick, but let's talk a little bit about medical issues. Miriam <coughs> speaks Lashon Hara about her brother Moshe, her dear brother Moshe, whom she never intended to hurt and who wasn't upset or hurt at all by what she said. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu punished her. And she was given saras. She was given the terrible, terrible spiritual disease that is something perhaps similar to what we call leprosy. And Moshe made no damage for her. By Yitzhak, Moshe Lashem Lemar. Moshe Rabbeinu cries out to Hashem, saying, Kel, Kodesh Baruch Hu, no, please refund no Allah. Please heal, heal her. Now, very interesting. The, the Gemara in Brochus, Daf Lamadalit says, Amrav Yaakov, Amrav Chista, says, whenever a person is damning for his friends, ain't Sarach Lahas he doesn't even have to mention the person's name. Shinema, as it says here, Kel, no, Rafa, no, la. Hashem should heal her. And he doesn't mention Miriam's name at, at all. In other words, in the same way as Moshe Rabbeinu, when he davened for Miriam, he didn't even mention her name. So too, it's appropriate, it says the Gemara, that anyone who is davening for another year, another year who's sick, he doesn't have to mention his name at all. Rather, explains in in his uh, in his sefer. He says as follows: We perhaps could ask a a question. That uh, what's the difference if you mention his name or not mention him? Why does the one have to learn out that you shouldn't don't need to mention his name? So he answers. It brings the Gemara in, in the Dorim, in Daphne Malaf, it says, No sick person <coughs> can get off his sickbed and recover from his disease. Until he gets to the point where he is, as all his sins atoned for. Shinemah, he quotes a Pasuk in Tehillim, Hasaleach lachol avinaychi, Kashbrochu forgives all of your sins, who then heals all of your all of your maladies. And also it uh, it says in 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 Tehillim Pei Aleph it says we says this morning it says about Kesel Chagenu. The Rosh Hashanah is the is the Chag where the moon is is uh, is covered and. The, the, uh, the, we mentioned, uh, but the, that the, the Chodesh is, is covered up. And we don't even mention what, what month it is. So that the Sutton shouldn't know and, and come to start, uh, to start shepherding, to start accusing against, against Kleiser. So here too, we don't want to mention, says, the name of the ill person in our davening. So that the Satan won't know whom we're talking about, and he might try to come and and uh, void and start sort of sort of cancel and make sure that our fillers don't get through. So we we hide it 
So that the Satan won't know what's, what's, uh, what's going on. Because the Satan will argue, maybe this person shouldn't be healed. Maybe his Averis yet weren't totally, totally, uh, 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 forgiven. And therefore, maybe the Satan will mount an attack that he, that he shouldn't be healed. Right? Or maybe he'll, uh, he'll come and he'll, uh, he'll prosecute and he'll bring all kinds of other, other reasons that this person, Chasushon, maybe should, should leave this world on account of this, of this illness. However, when we don't mention the name of the ill person at all, so then the Satan doesn't know who we're davening from, and, uh, somehow the Twilla can then slip through the cracks and, and, and do whatever it needs to do and accomplish whatever it needs to accomplish. That even though that this sick person maybe was someone, Chasushom, who maybe should have died, but HaKadosh Baruch Hu hears our tefillah of, of those who are davening for him, and he'll change the decree. You can make a, you can make a new decree and, and decide that he should, that he should die alive. And right, HaKadosh Baruch Hu always prefers to give Give uh, give chesed. Maybe this person will do will do tshuva because Hakadosh Baruch Hu doesn't want people to to uh, to to die. Similarly, the Chassam Sefer actually brings in his chidushim to Meseches Nedarim, but he wants to say more. He wants to make a distinction whether the person who is davening is standing in the presence of the ill person or whether he's standing. Somewhere, somewhere, somewhere else. And certainly, he says, in the presence of the sick person, there, there's certainly no need at all to mention the name of the, of the, of, of the sick, of the sick person. And, uh, he brings there, uh, uh, on the Gemara, the Gemara says that uh, when Rabdimi came to Ertzol, he said, anyone who visits a sick person, so he causes that that sick person should be able to to live, and someone who doesn't visit a sick person, so Chasushom, he might be the cause that the person dies. Why? 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 Why does that? Why does that cause? Says the Gemara. So if you want to say that when a person visits the chayle, so he davens for him that he should live, and if he doesn't visit the sick person. Then, uh, is that considered he's literally dumb that he should, should he, he should die? So the mother said, what? How could it be that a person is, will be dumbing that someone should die? But he says, if you're not visiting the sick person, so then you're not really going to daven for him. And neither that he should die or that he should, that he should live. <clears throat> and, um, the rush explains there, that's a terrible, terrible thing. Because if you would visit him, so then you would daven for him and beseech HaKadosh Baruch Hu for mercy that he should, that he should live. And it could very well be that this would be, be a desirable moment for HaKadosh Baruch Hu and uh, your tefillah would be, would be hurt. And, uh, and by not going to visit. So you're, you're not taking advantage of that possible, uh, uh, opening of that possible Desirable moment for Kaddish Baruch Hu, and therefore the tefillah is not there in Chasusham. That could be a cause that the person should should die. And, and the Ran says even more. That's why it says that if you visit the sick person, so your tefillah helps so 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 much. It can even go so far as to actually change the decree and allow this person to live. Why? Because this is the 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 a very 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 beneficial tefillah that one says. For a, for a, for a sick person. And then the Chasm Sefer explains that he wants to explain this based on what Chazal say in, in Brachas, that if a person davens in, uh, uh, in front of a chayla, so then you don't need to mention the name at all, and he brings up also, Kel Norofa Nola. And the, the, this forum, uh, uh, bring, bring down on this Gemara that that by by uh, uh, by mentioning the person's name on the contrary, that might be in that situation not a positive thing because then you arouse various kind of of, of judgments possibly against against the person, even though that uh, that uh, the, the fill itself is very very uh, uh, beneficial, but nevertheless sometimes. 
if you're going to mention a name, that could be slightly negative because that then singles him out. And, 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 and in Shemayim, they then have to consider should he be saved or not. But when a person, when a person is dominating in front of the Chayla and he doesn't have to mention the name, that's very, very good because then when we come in to visit a sick person and we daven that he should live, because then we don't have to mention his name at all, and therefore he's saved from from being scrutinized by the by the midas hadin, by the attribute of strict justice. But if someone doesn't visit the sick person and he, and he's not in front of him, so then you do have to mention his name and his philosophy, and that sometimes could be a a negative. Thing, even though he is dominant, he's dominant and he should live, but the fact that he has to mention his name, says Chasm Seifer, that alone already could be a slight negative. And therefore he's, he's talking, uh, very strongly about the need to actually go and, and, uh, and visit people when, when they're sick, obviously, uh, uh, you know, with the ability to, to do so without, without COVID, without COVID problems. We're going to come back and speak more about this topic in a moment. It's 101.9 High FM. The program is Soul to Soul, and we'll be right back. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 High FM, Soul to Soul. We're back on your radio here in Johannesburg. And our Shabbos, Kedish, Pashas, Baha As you prepare for another amazing, beautiful, beautiful Shabbos. We are talking about davening. For someone who needs filler, someone who's, who's not well, as Moshe Rabbeinu Davin, for his sister Miriam, when she wasn't well, and we said that he didn't mention her, her name, and we brought the Chasam Sefer that says that there are certain, uh, 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 advantages to that, maybe perhaps not mentioning name, because the filler then is not subject to such, to such, uh, exactness by the, by the forces in, in Shemaim. The Chasam Sefer goes on to explain in the same kind of way, in, in his Sefer on the Chumash, in Parshas Toldos, where Rivka is barren, so it says there, that Yitzchak davened opposite his wife. And he says, he says there, that we already have said, that if a person davens for his friend, so there, he needs to mention the name of the, of the person's father or, or mother. Yitzchak, however, didn't want to mention the names of his forefathers or the or the forefathers of Rivka because they were they were Rishayim. But uh, uh, if the person who's davening is standing right next to the chayle, so then there's no need to mention the name at all, and therefore that's why Yitzchak was davening the Neichach Ishtoy. Yitzchak davened in the presence of of his uh, of his wife and. The Torah tells us why. Why did he, why did he do that? It says, uh, uh, why, right? Because, because she was the daughter of, of Besuel and, and the sister of Laman Harami, which is a, a family of, of terrible, terrible, uh, Rishon and, and Yitzhak didn't want to mention but their name at all and therefore he avoided that by, by, by actually being in in her presence, and that avoided the tefillahs being attacked and and perhaps uh, 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 torpedoed by the by the opposing by the opposing forces. But he the question is asked then on on the on the Gemara in in Tainus, the Gemara in Tainus, Davchav Kimon Beis tells the story that uh, Rav Mani, so he used to be uh, often found in the presence of Rav Yitzchak Ber Aliyashev, and he said to him, uh, uh, he says that the the the, uh, the the wealthy people of my my, my uh, in-laws' house are, are, are driving me crazy. So Rav Yitzchak answered, well, then let them become poor. And that's in fact what happened. They lost all their money and became poor. So then he said to him, but Rebbe, now they're all coming to me and asking for my assistance. So Yitzhak says, okay, then rather let them be returned to their previous state of being, of being wealthy. And that's what happened. And they became wealthy again. So then he said, but 
you know, and then, then he complained to him, you know, my wife, my wife is not so comely. She's not, uh, you know, I'm not that satisfied with her. So he said to him, okay, what's, what's her name? So he says, Hannah. So he says, well, let Hannah become a beautiful woman. And she became a beautiful woman. Then he says to him, oh, yeah, but now she's become all arrogant and has a, has a has whole attitude about, about her. So he says to him, if so, then let her go to back, let Hannah go back to the state that she was before. And she went back to the state she was before. And the question is, why, when Rav Yitzhak Davind, did he have to mention her name? And why did he even ask for, for her name? Similar question is asked on another Gemara, a little bit later in in Tainus, on Daf Chofei, where it says there that uh, Rabbi Hanina ben Doisa, so he had a certain female neighbor who was building the house. And the beams that she had weren't long enough to go from one wall to the other. So she came to Avchanina ben Daisa, and she said to him, I'm building my house, but uh, my beams don't extend as long as I have to. So he said to her, what's your name? So she said to him, my name is Echoi. So he said to her, Echoi, let your beams be extended. And the Bryce says that they, they extended so long that they actually stuck out one armor on each side. And again, why did he have to, why did he have to know her name? You already said that when you're speaking to a person directly, you don't have to mention the, the name. So perhaps the first question from the Gemara about, uh, 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 ben, ben El Yoshev, so perhaps there, that we could answer based on what the Chasim Seifer said, that the Chasim Seifer made a distinction between when you, when the person you're dominating for or about is in front of you, or when he's not in front of you. Look, when he's not in front of you, then you need to mention the, the name. And therefore, in, in, in the case of Rabbi Yashav, he had to ask, uh, the name of the, of the woman because she wasn't, she wasn't there. But the question remained very strong on the second story, on the Gemara and Daf that remains because the woman herself who was building the house came to him. So why did he have to uh, ask her her name? So perhaps you can say something a little bit different in, in, to explain the Gemara why you don't need to mention the name of the Choyle, uh, 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 in the following way. They tell a story about the Babasali, that one time he wasn't feeling so well, and they didn't have any choice. They had to get a, a, a doctor in to, to, uh, examine, examine the Rav. So the first doctor arrives. However, the Babasali pushed him aside. He wouldn't allow him to examine him. And he asked that they should bring another doctor. They brought a second doctor and he also, Babasali didn't, uh, didn't find favor with him. And again, they had to bring a third doctor. And even this one, the Babasali rejected out, out of hand. And only the fourth doctor would the Babasali allow himself to be uh, uh, examined by him. And he, in fact, examined the Rav and he wrote a script for whatever whatever medicines the, the Babasali needed to, to take. Afterwards, the Babasali asked the doctor to please have some uh, have some almonds and make a brach on them. However, the, the doctor refused and he said that he's actually uh, allergic to to uh, nuts. But the Babasali insisted and said, if you're not going to take what I'm asking you to take, then I'm not going to take what you're asking me to take. So the doctor was a bit worried, but uh, Babasali promised him that if he's going to eat the 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 nuts, so then the allergy is going to go away. And in fact, he did. He ate the almonds and miraculously, the allergy passed and he wasn't affected at all. 
after the doctor left, so the, the family asked the Baba Sali, why did he send away the first three doctors and only allow the fourth one to examine him? So the Baba Sali answered, because the first three doctors who came in, I didn't see the Malach Raphael coming with them. And only this doctor did I see the Malach Raphael coming in with him, and therefore I allowed him to examine him. There's a, a, a similar story with the Mezusha Magid that one time there was a uh, very, very distinguished Jew from the town of, of Vilna who passed through the city of Mezrich as part of it on a business trip. And when he heard the amazing things about the, the Magid, although he of course wasn't a Chassid, he decided anyway to go in and to, uh, and to, and to greet and to have a, have an audience with the, with the, with the market. And when he came in, he said the market that really, he doesn't really have a specific request to make of him. But, uh, he still, he came all this way and he wanted to come to see him because he heard about the great tzaddik. And, uh, you know, amazing things have, had come to his ears. And, uh, that, uh, just kind of awakened within him desire to go and see that, that, that is his sort of holy countenance. So the Magid said to him, you should know that it's not the doctor that heals the sick person, but it's the Malach who comes with him that, that heals him. He brings he brings the, the refuah. And if he happens to be the doctor of, of the, of the king, you should know that the malach refuah will accompany him, uh, uh, personally. The, 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 the Jew was a little bit totally discombobulated when he heard the, the, the maggots answer which was didn't seem completely out of context to his previous statements and uh, he didn't know what he was talking about basically and eventually when uh, 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 he well, you know, so the huge question mark in his mind the audience ended and he, he, he set off he set off home it wasn't very long later where unfortunately that, that Yid became very very ill and a very, very serious illness uh, befell him. And uh, his life was in grave, grave danger. And all the, the doctors who, who, you know, who came to his bedside kind of uh, despaired, despaired of him. And it just happened that at that time, the, the, the king of Prussia uh, kind of made a, a field trip. And as he was going on his journey, he, ap- he actually uh, came through the, the city of of, uh, of Vilna, and and uh, amongst his party that was traveling with him was also his uh, personal uh, physician, Doctor Gardia. And so the the family of this distinguished person who was who was ill. Uh, 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 kind of personally approached the king's doctor to ask him to beg him that if he would please come and 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 you know come see their 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 relative and maybe make some uh, suggestion what what could be done and he he acceded to their request and when he came to the bed of the of the sick person and even began to examine him immediately he said I, I, I'm not sure why you why you uh, bothered to 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 bring me here? Um, I'm 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 a doctor. I'm not I'm not someone who's going to do a triasamesim, and uh, there's really no chance that he's going to be able to to uh, to recover. So as he was going towards the door, before he even went out, he took, sort of took one last glance back at uh, at the sick person. And, and, and suddenly he realized that his face had changed and there seemed to be a, a bit of an improvement in his condition. The doctor went back to the bed 
he was amazed at on what he had seen, and he began to to you know, feel the pulse of the of the sick person, and he now saw that there was a possibility that maybe he would be able to recover, and he sat down and he wrote uh, a script, and they sent uh, a messenger to the to the chemist to to bring the the appropriate medicine. But even as the as the messenger was leaving, the doctor again saw that the situation was was changing further, and there was a further improvement. And he told him to bring back the messenger, and he tore up the script, and he wrote another script in in which was more appropriate to the his condition at the moment. And again, when the shliach went out the second time. On, on his way to the, to the chemist. Again, the doctor saw that, uh, this, uh, sick person again had improved dramatically. And now he needed a different kind of medicine. So he called out that they should bring back the shliach. And again, and again, he wrote another script. And when he looked, when he looked again at the choyle, he saw that the, 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 the disease is, is is leaving him slowly, bit by bit. And the doctor was absolutely amazed. He had never seen such a thing happen before in, in his life. And a short time later, the, the sick person got stronger and sort of sat up on his bed. And he turned to the doctor, who was still sitting there <laughs> in, in total amazement. And he said to the doctor, said, you should know that it's not the various medicines that are going to, that are going to heal me. It's the, the Malach Rafael who, who accompanies the doctor. That's the one who heals. And, and he began to explain to him that he wasn't saying this off his own, off his own bat, but he was saying this from what he heard. From the, the the holy mouth of of the Mezuzah the doctor was absolutely beyond himself to hear this, and he asked, "Where does, where does this person uh, live?" And he wrote down in his diary his uh, his name and and the city the city the city where he was, and he went. So from that day, uh, Doctor Gradia could not. Come back to himself. He had there were there was all sorts of bells and sirens going going on in his in his uh, in his head because he he was thinking now about his own his own origins as 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 a Jew, which unfortunately he had until now almost completely uh, 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 forgotten. Now suddenly these all these feelings of his childhood were aroused in in inside. Inside of him, like 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 a burning fire, and they were beginning to pump, sort of, in in inside of him. And he already remembered the in the house of his father, Reb Shimshin, who was such a such a beautiful, straight straight person, and who who became ill, literally out out of depression, out of anguish, when when his son went off the derech atayra mitzvahs and began to go in other fields and other, and other uh, postures. And his conscience began to really pang him without, without letting go. And it, it didn't stop. A, a short while later, he decided to uh, uh, sort of take a leave of absence from the king's court and all the beautiful, amazing power and position that he had there. And he went, he escaped to the, to the, to the court of, of the Rebbe, to, to, to Raber Mimezrich, who was, uh, who was in the, uh, in a small, small, uh, village in, in Valin. And his request was, Rebbe, please heal me from this terrible, terrible depression that I'm that I'm going through. And if you heal me, then I will heal whatever physical maladies you may, you may have. And, uh, he ended up staying there. 
Dr. Gladius stayed with the Maggids for a long time and became part of his inner, inner uh, circle until he became a, 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 a big, a big tzalik. Because he was obviously a, a, a super intellectual, he was a very big chacham, and he had a tremendous holy, uh, uh, neshama. But unfortunately, he had fallen deep, deep, deep into the, all the externalities, or the creeper says, as, as they say, through his tivus and through the world that he had entered, and, and, and the Magid brought him out from, from that, that terrible situation and, and brought him back to, to his, to his proper, to his proper, uh, 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 uh place. So we see the ability of the Malach to, to do the healing. However, there's even a higher level, and that's brought out by the Bnei Socher, where we say, Rafa'eni Hashem ve'erofei. Why do you have to say ve'erofei and I will be healed? So the, he brings down that there's a concept of that Rafu'ah can be done either by the Malach, or it can even be done by HaKadosh Baruch And the difference is, when it's done by HaKadosh Baruch itself, it's forever. It's nitzchis, and therefore we say, "Rufaini Hashem, heal me, Hakadosh Baruch Hu so that I will be healed eternally and forever." Therefore, we when we when we're davening for a chayle, we don't mention the name of the chayle. Why? Because then Malach Avril doesn't know who we're talking about. Malachim can't read Machshavas, and therefore the healing has to happen through Hakadosh Baruch Hu, and then it's. Forever. However, in the, in, in the Gemara and Tainus, we weren't talking about healing, we were talking about, uh, uh, building a house or, or dealing with people, making them beautiful or, or rich. And that is, we don't see anywhere that there's a difference between the Kayach of Akadosh and the Kayach of Malach. And therefore, in order for it to work, we have to assume that it's going to work only with the mentioning of the person's, of the person's, uh, name. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 High FM, this is Soul to Soul, back on your radio here in Johannesburg, on Erev Shabbos, Kodesh Parshas, Beha Aloyz Thank you so much for joining us, as we always do at this point in the program, just to give you the important details and times you need to know for this coming Shabbos. So we have actually reached the earliest time for Shabbos this week and for the next three weeks or so. We're going to be camped at the earliest time for Shabbos, which is, well, the earliest time for lighting your candles this afternoon. It's very, very close at hand. 4.17. At 4.17 already, you can light your Shabbos candles. That's really an hour and a half from from now, and you can really get into the Shabbos and hope you know done everything, get all the food on the on the tray, get bathed and get ready and get the house all in order, and let's start. Let's bring on the the Shabbos. The latest time for benching lich this afternoon is at six minutes far past five. Five oh six is the latest time for lighting candles which then means that Shkia is at 24 minutes past 5, 5.24. You really, really got to make sure that you're organized and, and on track and, and Shabbos has started long before before that time because there's a special mitzvah of adding on to Shabbos, of making sure that we, shot, that we start Shabbos at a time when it's still definitely part of Friday and uh, therefore, Shkia is at, at 5.24. If you want to daven Mayrav in the correct time, not after repeat Shema, all you have to do is wait until 5.42. 5.42 is really certainly night, and you can daven Mayrav then, and then you got a really long and beautiful evening. Ah, so much time to sit down and enjoy a nice meal with the family, with some Zemiras and maybe a Dvatayra or two. From, from what we've said, from so many other uh, venues of being able to find, uh, a Torah to say, to say over. And, uh, and then to sit and learn a bit and maybe go to sleep at a reasonable hour. There are a lot, a lot of options of how to spend the, the, the evening. Tomorrow morning, of course, Shabbos Kedish, Pasha's Baaleischa. We read the Pasha and the Aftorah of Roni Vesimchi, the Aftorah that we read also on Shabbos Hanukkah, which talks about also the concept of the the Menorah, 
And uh, then Shabbos carries on. We're back in Perkeyavos. We started last week. So this week we're going to be reading Perik Base of, of Perkeyavos. And Shabbos Kodesh ends tomorrow uh, evening at 5.57, three minutes before 6 o'clock is the end of, of, of Shabbos. And we get ready then to launch into another amazingly productive productive uh, uh, a week. We are dealing with the laws of preparing for for Shabbos, and we're up to, the halacha says that it says, Vayom it will be on the sixth day on Friday, Ve'echinu eis asheyoviyu, talking about in the time when they used to have the man, they would collect the man, and then they would prepare it. And make the chalent and make the, 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 whatever the, whatever goodies they wanted to make for Shabbos, they will prepare on Friday. So we see from here that there's actually a mitzvah to prepare on Erev Shabbos, to prepare on Friday, then things that you might need to eat on, on Shabbos. And it's brought that even a very, very wealthy and distinguished and honorable person who has plenty of, of domestic help, plenty of, of servants who are prepared to, you know, make for him all the things he might need. He will slave away in the kitchen and make all the finest, uh, uh, dishes. And during the week, uh, the, the, you know, sort of the, uh, the, the boss doesn't, you know, raise a finger at all to do anything in his house. He has people to do everything. Nevertheless, one has to make a huge effort to do something in uh, in order to show uh, one's anticipation and one's love for the honor of Shabbos. And he shouldn't say, how can I get myself involved in these menial kind of uh, tasks? Is that not going to be somehow to, to demonize and, and, and to, and to be a, a, a downgrading of my own honor and distinction? Says rather on the contrary, a person should know this is the greatest honor for a person, that he should be involved in preparing for Shabbos Kodesh and to honor Shabbos. And, uh, and even someone who's, who's busy learning Torah all day. And there are other people who, uh, who are prepared, who are prepared to, uh, make everything for him for Shabbos. It's a mitzvah that he should also participate on, in some level in the preparation to, to get ready for, 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 for Shabbos. It's the, the Gemara talks about the Gemara in Shabbos, Kofkites, talks about great Gedoyle Yisrael, and, and the most honored and, and distinguished people of all the generations, that they also would involve themselves in the preparations for Shabbos. It says that Rava used to salt the fish in honor of Shabbos, and Rav Chista used to cut the vegetables, he used to make the Israeli salad, make the, cut the vegetables very finely in, in honor of Shabbos. And Rabbi Yosef used to chop wood so that they can make a fire in the, in the oven to cook the chalent. And Rabbi Bo and Rabbi Zera used to light the, used to light the fire in order to cook the food for Shabbos. And Ravuna and Rabbi Papa used to prepare the, uh, set up the candles. For, for Shabbos. And Rav Nachman used to clean the house on Shabbos. And, and, and bring in the, the Shabbos sticker, Kalim that he needed, and, and put away the, the weekday, the weekday things. Right? And, and obviously, uh, uh, we don't have to even begin to talk about the greatness of the names we just mentioned. These were, these were Amaroyim. They were amazing, amazing, uh, 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 people. Nevertheless, they took the time to, to get involved. And, and obviously it's, it's, it's worthwhile to point out that we're, we're talking about very, very, the aristocracy of, of the Jewish, of, of the Jewish nation. That there, there was no one in their whole generation as great and as, and as distinguished as, as they were. They were the Gedoyle Atayra. They were the, the, the leaders of the whole, of the whole community. For example, we know that Rabba and, uh, and Rabbi Yosef, they were the Rosh Hashivas of, of all of, of all of Babel. And at that time, the two Rosh Hashivas, the, of, the two greatest 
Rashi Shivas in Babel of the two huge Shivas, which were Sura and, and Pompadisa. So they together with the Resh Galusa and his, his sort of political ties, they basically were in charge of the entire Jewish, Jewish world in that, uh, in that area, right? In that whole area that was under their, their, their responsibility. Right? He was Rosh Hashiva. And, and there was no one, uh, uh, no one could be appointed to any communal position without their, their agreement. And, uh, no, no decree, no law could be passed, no decision could be made, even as regards, uh, collecting taxes without his say-so. And these people with all their honor and all their responsibilities, still, they would go and cut wood in honor of, of Shabbos. And Rav Hunan of Christo, now Pop and Rava, they were, they were the Rosh Yeshivas in, in Bovel. And Rav Avo was the leader of, of, of a Yidin in, uh, in Eretz Yisrael. Right. In fact, the Gemara says in, in Shabbos Lafdaf Lamedalid, there are three things that a person has to say at home on Erev Shabbos as it's about to become dark. First of all, number one, uh, to find out if they took the proper tithes from fruit that grows in Eretz Yisrael, because if they didn't take those tithes, then, then he must do it. If it hasn't been done yet, as Shabbos approaches, then he must do it himself. Number two, to find out if they made an Erev to facilitate carrying. That if they didn't make an Erev, well then, he has to do it. Number three, to remind them to light candles in the correct time before before the deadline. Right? And generally, uh, 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 you know, we uh, if, if we buy fruit, so obviously here in South Africa, we don't usually worry about things like uh, uh, Trumas, Trumas uh, uh, Amaisus, but most even in Israel, many places do do uh, do separate the Amaisus in the in in the shops, and therefore you don't have to ask about these things. But everyone needs to to make sure that the house is set up and everything is in its place in an order of a, of a, of Shabbos, right? That the, the, the Shabbos clocks are are set and the, if they need heating, everything everything has to be organized before 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 Shabbos, and therefore it's uh, correct, you know, to to uh, to uh, set up everything, cut what you need, and put everything in, it, in its its place, and open the bottles, you know, whatever it is to do, and and, and it's the bottle boss's uh, uh, responsibility, not necessarily to do it, but just to make sure that all of it is done before 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 Shabbos. This one one point nine high FM soul to soul. We'll be back in a moment on the greatest Jewish radio station in all of Africa. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on one oh one point nine high FM. 101.9 Chai FM, salt to salt, back on the radio here, Erev Shabbos, Kedish, Pashas, Palesha, as we come with our closing comments for the week. So part of the honor of Shabbos is that, as we said, you have to prepare for Shabbos, and therefore Chazal forbade having a larger than normal meal on a Friday. You can have your normal breakfast, you can even have your normal lunch at, uh, at lunchtime. And again, the worry is that we want people to have a nice appetite so they can eat the suit of Shabbos with a gusto, with, a, with an excitement, with, a, with an appetite. Also, it's a bit of an insult. Well, we're going to have a big fancy meal on, on Friday. What about Shabbos? You should give more importance to Friday than, than, uh, than, than, than uh, to Shabbos. And uh, in fact, Gemara talks about a family that used to make big meals on, on Friday and, and their end was not a very... Not a very happy one. Also, we worry that if you get so involved in preparing a big meal for Friday, you'll forget and neglect the preparations, the proper preparations for, for, for Shabbos. And even a, a Sudas mitzvah, if it's something that doesn't have to happen on that day, you want to make a seal mesechta. So ideally not to make it on Friday. And if you do, then certainly to make it not so huge and to make it in the, in the, uh, in the morning. Um, 
if it's a, a Sudas Mitzvah that's a fixed day, a bris mila that fell out on Friday, or even a Pidyan Haben, where the days, the child, baby's 31st day is the Friday, then also one should do it in the morning so that one can have a Suda and still hopefully have an appetite for, for the, uh, for the Suda on, on, on Shabbos. Uh, ideally one should not have a bread that includes meal that includes a bread, sorry, a meal that includes bread after about three o'clock in the, in the afternoon because, uh, because then that is something that could fill a person and, and leave them without an appetite. But certainly to have some cake or, or some fruit or tayamea to just taste the Shabbos food later in the afternoon, that certainly one could do even up to the time of candlelighting provided that, uh, uh you'll still be able to have, have a, a, an appetite. Obviously, there were some great uh, righteous people who would actually fast on Erev Shabbos that they would make sure they have an appetite. Uh, and I look that even that doesn't seem to be such a good idea because then you come into Shabbos ravished, and and uh, then you're not able to daven Meyer properly. I mean, the only time we really sanction, and that's only with difficulty, fasting on a Friday is when our Tevis falls out on Friday. So yes, to eat eat with moderation, eat so that you can have a, an appetite. Uh, when, when Shabbos, when, uh, when Shabbos, uh, uh, comes. And obviously to prepare the food on, on Friday so that you'll have Shabbos, all the food ready and you'll be able to sit down to a really appetizing meal when, when Shabbos comes. That about finishes the time we have for this Erev Shabbos Kodesh. As always, it's such a pleasant, such an honor to have the few minutes to spend with you and hopefully to share some beautiful Torah thoughts. Today we spoke about the the difficulty of Moshe Rabbeinu making the menorah, and we spoke quite a lot about davening for for sick people, and whether you do have to say the name and 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 why not. And we gave a beautiful explanation for that, and we spoke a little about preparation of Shabbos. Lots of things to talk about at the table. Lots of things to think about. And just a moment now to wish each and every one of you. First of all, thank you for joining us and to wish you a beautiful, warm, unified, kind of uh, uh, growth-orientated uh, uh, Shabbos of, of rest, of, of productivity, of inspiration, and Be'ez Hashem, a Shabbos that will turn out hopefully to be Yaim Shekula Shabbos, a day that's complete rest and complete tranquility. To each and every one of our radio family, I wish a warm and beautiful good Shabbos.